Hello, good morning, wonderful people. Scott here again, obviously, with the One Day at a Time podcast. Um, today's topic is coming up frequently now, and I see so many comments, posts, emails um, saying, you know, perhaps I'm pre-diabetes or I'm type two di- pre-type 2 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, um, I need to go low-carb, I need to avoid high GI carbs, I need to go on a continuous glucose monitor. And whilst people with diabetes, potentially pre-diabetes, can get some inform- get some insights from that, what's important to know here is like, what's the truth? What should you be focusing on, right? What does the data say? What does the science say if you are pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes for what you can do to improve your condition or you know, prevent it from going pre to, to full-blown type 2 or to put into remission or as sometimes it's said to reverse type 2 diabetes, right? But because type 2 diabetes is a disease of blood sugar regulation, obviously it's easy to think straight away that, okay, I need to cut out all my carbohydrates because that's what will improve it. And this is really what the, this is really what the big question is, is like if eating carbs does cause type 2 diabetes then obviously we should remove carbs from our diet, right? That's what people are saying. That's what the kind of consensus is, very simplified in that sense. But the research team at Stanford University wanted to find out the answer to this, right? So what they did was they compared a very low-carb ketogenic diet with a moderate-carb Mediterranean diet, okay? So Mediterranean diet is usually like fruits, veggies, beans, lentils, breads, pastas, nuts, fish, olive oil, you know, cheese, red wine, that type of stuff. You know, the traditional kind of wholesome diet we maybe picture in our minds, right? Definitely decent in carbs as well. Um, And the ketogenic diet really is um, high fat, super low carb, kind of moderate to low protein, right? But probably a bit less protein, right? So on a ketogenic diet, you can't really you know, in this research anyway, they, they couldn't eat any refined grains, legumes, fruits, whole grains, any added sugars, um, only non-starch vegetables were allowed. Um, so you kind of eliminate a lot of stuff there that maybe day-to-day that we would eat, right? So what do you think is the, um, what do you think happens here? Like if you were to think about it for a second, do you think that eliminating all the carbs is going to help? Or do you think that maybe it's a more of an energy thing? What's your, you know, beliefs on it right now? Before I go into what the research says. Because it's interesting to think about it. Because we have been told for so long that carbs are bad. You know, people go as far as saying sugar is as addictive as cocaine. Or sugar is as bad as cocaine. All sugar is bad. All of these things, right? And there's this, like, influencer on Instagram called the Glucose Goddess. Who is, like talking so much nonsense and this stuff but people tend to buy into it right but this this study was fascinating there was 33 participants 13 with type 2 diabetes and 20 with pre-diabetes and what they did was they put them on one diet for 12 weeks and another diet for 12 weeks so the same person did both diets which is great it's called a crossover trial so this is where you can get data from both things for the same person here's what the study found right Blood sugar declined on both diets, right? So one of the main markers you look for blood sugar decline on both diets, a higher carbohydrate Mediterranean, and even on low, you know, sorry, on the low carb obviously, and then on even on the the higher carb one, um, the ketogenist showed a slightly larger decline, but this wasn't statistically significant, right? So basically the same. 
body weight dropped them both, but they weren't encouraged to lose weight. You know, obviously they were eating less calories over 12 weeks. They were eating about 300 calories less per day. Obviously, in the ketogenic group, that's, that's, there's no mystery as to why. You pretty much can't eat many foods at all. You are kind of siloed into a few foods. And with a Mediterranean-type diet, having you know meals with high protein, with carbs, with fats, olive oil and stuff, they tend to make you feel fuller for longer. So that's why they work well. And, both, and common to both diets as well was HDL, which is a good cholesterol, went up. And triglycerides declined. So basically, fats went down. Okay? Um, the biggest difference between the groups, it says, well, that bad cholesterol, bad cholesterol rose 10% on the keto diet, while it declined 5% on the Mediterranean. 15% difference. That's interesting, okay? But both, both work, both, if you can adhere to a ketogenic diet and you prefer it, you know, obviously, by all means, go and do it. There's not many people I know in, in real life you know, you see it on the internet all the time. I don't know many people in real life that can stick to a ketogenic diet. Like, I've tried it back in the, back in the day and it makes you... The first few days are horrible. It makes you think about carbs so much because you have no... It's been taken away from you. You then get some brain fog. You start feeling stringy in a sense of weak. Your muscles are depleted. Um, you eventually get used to it because of ketosis. And then you start using more fat for energy as opposed to carbs because there's no carbs going in. You've got to remember, the body's primary source of energy is carbohydrates, glucose. Once you don't give it enough glucose, it's going to have to try and get it in other ways. So the ketosis happens. It takes it from the fat, does the ketosis, converts it, all that stuff, right? Not to get too much in the scientific stuff there. But our primary source is, is glucose, right? So when we take that away, the body needs to do something. Otherwise, we'd be dead right? Some people say when they're adapted to this, they prefer it. But when I did it, and this is just my opinion, but there's many opinions of the same, there still feels to be something missing. There still feels to be hampered training, performance is, is hampered, all that type of stuff. The brain isn't as clear. You know, you now are living on a thread where you can't consume a carbohydrate because it'll knock you out of ketosis and you're always thinking about that. And then you're using these ketosis sticks to pee on it to make sure you're in ketosis. This stuff is, this is, unless you need it medically, this is leading to potentially disordered eating territory, okay? And this is what this continuous glucose monitors is doing as well. It is the gateway to more disordered eating. If you are using the continuous glucose monitor and you're not diabetic and you think learning from these spikes, these acute spikes, oh my God, that spiked my glucose. Oh my God, doing a workout spiked it. Yeah, normal. And now you're starting to micromanage these spikes. You're going to have a really, really bad relationship with food. You can have a bad relationship with carbs and anything that spikes your glucose because you think that's a be-all, end-all, but it's not. So clearly in this research, Stanford University, there is no best diet when it comes to managing these types of conditions. It really is managing your body composition, right? If you can lower your body fat percentage, you are going to improve your body's health as a blanket statement if you are overweight or obese. You know, you can say this claim, well, maybe not and this, that, but in the research, it's clear. If you are overweight or obese, if you drop your body fat percentage, your health markers go up, even when the diet isn't great. 
even when the diet is kind of junk foody as well. I'm not advocating that, but what that means is you can still have your favorite foods. You can still have your ice creams and chocolates, okay? You don't need to go 90%, as we call clean, and 10%, you know, whatever. You can maybe go 60-40 to start with, even 50-50 if you wanted to, you know? What's important is that you stick to it and you can lose weight sustainably. And in the research, again, what does it say? Slow weight loss trumps quick weight loss in terms of muscle preservation, in terms of actually staying off, in terms of mental health, in terms of less negative adaptations, like I mentioned in previous podcast, right? So when you look at these kind of um, diets and people say keto makes you lose more weight, right? Keto makes you lose more weight. No, even in this research, the ketogenic diet and and the Mediterranean diet, they both lost weight roughly the same weight. So you're saying to me you want to go through the hell of a keto diet when you could eat a a, a lovely Mediterranean diet, which is far more varied, right? So being able to stick to it is really, really important. It's really, really important. You can stick to the type of diet that you want to follow, right? And you have to start looking. And like yesterday's podcast was talking, this relationship in our own mind with our own food, the awareness we have. We've got to be very careful here. You can fall into the traps of watching these influencers on TikTok that are saying, don't eat this, don't eat that. You start going into this black and white thinking about food. You start seeing your diet as singular foods. Or if I have that singular food, it's going to make me fat and it's going to make me unhealthy. But actually, if you take a bird's eye view, that's what's going to give you an indication. You know, there's a classic, you know, one bad meal isn't going to make you fat and one good meal isn't going to make you healthy. One training session isn't going to make you super fit missing one isn't going to make a big difference either and when you stretch that out over a long period of time you start seeing right you start seeing what what kind of like a health looks like and if you were to visualize this for yourself looking forward do you want to be a prisoner to your food and your diet you want to be a prisoner or do you want to be freed by it those are the two choices you have. If you want to be freed from the food prison that we put ourselves in through these people listening, we must be always open to consuming whatever foods are available. If I want to eat a Mediterranean diet today, but something happens, the shop, there's nothing left, and I have to go and buy a, um, you know, a ready meal or whatever, and I'm on the road or whatever it is, I've got to buy a ready meal, I've got to get a protein bar, whatever, and I haven't really hit that thing, I, I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all by it. You know, as long as my calories are roughly where I want them to be and my protein intake, I'm not worried about the type of diet I'm on. Obviously, I know, you know, everybody knows in the back of their minds what good nutrition is. We've been told this in school. It hasn't changed. Fruits, vegetables, good fats. We know this, right? There's no magic there. Obviously, have your fruits and veggies and, you know, all that stuff. That's not really where we're getting confused. Where we're getting confused is we think singular foods are the problem or singular food groups are the problem. It's never been. It's never been the problem. They make the enemy of something so you can fight against their enemy onto their side. The hard thing about this kind of approach, this flexible approach, is it's, it's, it's open to attack, but in a sense that, oh, you're saying to eat rubbish junk food. That's bad for you. It's terrible. And I, what I say to that is the real world... We do eat chocolate, we do have a birthday cake, we do have a pizza, right? We do have these biscuits, a cup of tea with your friends sometimes. Yes, I'll have a chocolate brownie or whatever and go to a coffee. Yes, I'll have this, yes, I'll have a donut here and there. There's no problem to it, absolutely no problem. 
I'm not going to say you, you shouldn't do that. I, I, I even advocate doing it. Right? People are oh, that's terrible. Is it though? I mean, you think it's terrible because obviously on paper someone goes around, look at this shit. Look at this in the packet. Look at all these ingredients. You know, you can say everything's terrible. You can say that the, your water's poison, this and that, but they're not living in the real world. The real world is, as humanity, as the Western world, we are living in this very varied, mixed kind of food options. And we're not going to be able to escape that into a utopia of unprocessed foods grown in a back garden by my grandmother. That's not going to happen. That's not happening. So I would rather make peace that I'm going to eat a variety of foods and I'm going to enjoy it, whether it's one week I'm 80% unprocessed, whether another week I'm only 30% unprocessed, another week I'm 50% unprocessed. When I look at the grand scheme of it, bird's eye view, the important factors are, what's my average energy intake been? Because if I'm going way too over, even if I'm eating quote-unquote healthy foods, I'm still going to put weight on. And if I'm putting fat on and I'm going from a, a kind of like a weight that my body's healthier to like overweight and obese levels, then that's going to be causing me problems, health problems, right? So first of all, I'm looking at energy intake. Have I got that balanced energy intake? I'll have the ups and downs over the weeks, but is it in tune with what I need? And is it going down when I need to lose some weight or... Am I going up too quick? Whatever it is. Then I'm looking at protein because I, I need that protein in there. I need to be recovering from workouts. I need to feel fuller from my meals. I need to have the building blocks, you know, to get strong, you know, to maintain muscle mass. Because over my next, I hopefully I live another 30, 40, 50 years, me retaining my muscle mass is going to play a huge role in my metabolic health and in my health in general, you know. Look at those two factors. Then you might go down, okay, maybe you want to look at other factors. That's fine. You want to look at maybe your fiber intake or your fat intake or whatever. But that's how you look at things. And if you look at it this way, you are immune. You are fortifying yourself against all this nonsense online because you, you cut through the noise. You know this is what the science says. This is what the industry experts say. This is not just my opinion. This is from the research and this is from people that have got no sides in this war. There's a war out there of food, and there's this, there's people taking sides, and it's near, and it's always the people that are trying to bring what the reality is to the situation. They get shunned away because no one likes the reality of it. Which is always it depends. This is fine. This is fine. This is fine. People they, they get bored by that. They want to be told, no, that is definitive. That's definitive. That's definitive, and that's bad, and that's bad, and that's bad. And then we can start making all sorts of excuses. Well, no wonder I'm this the way or that way. It's because I've been eating carbs. Or I've been eating brown rice. Or I've been eating white rice. Oh, I make sense now. You see how it works? And you still, you're a prisoner to this. All these years go by. Ten, why do you want to live this way? You want to be free. Free yourself from this. It's possible. No diet is better. The diet that's best is the one you can stick to where your energy intake is controlled and your protein intake is decently high and you can, you know, have a variety of foods in your diet and you have a good relationship with your food and with yourself. Where you don't panic, you don't catastrophize if you have a flipping cheeseburger. You don't lose your head and you don't cause a stress response and make everything worse. You know, that's where you want to be. That's the main thing. That's your goal. If you can do this, you can be, you can fortify yourself. 
you can fortify yourself with moderation, as the Epictetus, as the philosopher said, you fortify yourself with moderation, as this is an impregnable or impenetrable fortress, depending on translation. Yeah, again, I love the quote. This was said 2,000 years ago. Fortify yourself with moderation, as this is an impenetrable fortress. It's the same with your food. If I am moderate in my food intake, of in my moderate in terms of my ice cream intake, and in even in my unprocessed food intake, and in this and that, I'm not being in, in, not in any extreme camp. I am protecting myself with moderation. Same when it goes for drinking. If I can moderately drink, I protect myself against the hangovers, but I also protect myself against thinking, oh, well, I miss out on this and that. Moderation is the key, but it's not sexy to sell. But I think we should make it sexy. As one of our members said that. Moderation is sexy. Anyway, moderation is the name of the game. Okay? Um, hope that was useful. I'm going to try and get a type 2... Uh, pre-diabetes expert on to chat with the research I've explained I've, I've shared and they've shared as well but to take a, maybe a live Q&A on this stuff because a lot of people are worrying about pre-diabetes and maybe markers are there so again this study kind of tells you some information on that but we'll have a Q&A and uh, have a chat about it so have a good day guys fortify yourself with moderation and I'll be speaking to you all soon